Welcome to the Pikes Peak Christian Church Sermon Podcast. Came in today, you may have noticed um, that there's some weird things out in the foyer. Now, that's not because we were lazy and decided not to clean up after our basketball tournament this weekend. What that is, is those are dire- um, uh, decorations and props for our VBS. Now, VBS starts tomorrow. It's for kids going into kindergarten through kids going into fifth grade. Uh, and we're going to spend a week with those kids talking to them about how people encountered God, people in the Bible encountered God and were moved to take some sort of action. They were moved to do something because of the encounter they had with God. And we're really excited that we get to do that with these kids. We've already got about 200 kids registered, uh, pre-registered as of right now, and we're expecting probably another uh, 100 to 200 to register throughout the week. Um, that's what we saw last year, so, so we're kind of expecting that to be um, again this year. So that means that if you have a kid that you want to go to VBS, you should really, really, really go to our website today, yestogod.org slash VBS, just type that right in, and pre-register your child, because it's going to make tomorrow morning a whole lot easier for you if you're planning on coming and you haven't pre-registered. There's a whole bunch more steps you're going to have to go through, so do that if you're planning on bringing your kid. Now, the other thing I want you to know is that um, we, have, uh, we have plenty of volunteers. Um, we can still use a couple more. So if you're looking t- uh, for a place to plug in, a place to get connected, um, you can go to that same website, yestogod.org slash VBS, and you can sign up to volunteer. Um, if you're available anytime from 8 in the morning until 1 o'clock in the afternoon, Monday through Friday, or any of those days, uh, we will put you to work somewhere doing something for VBS. We can definitely use the help. Um, so you can sign up there to do that. But really, VBS, um, we're, we're really excited that our, our church kids are coming, that the kids that are here on Sunday get to come to this program, but the program's really not for them. Um, it really is for kids who are, don't come to church on a regular basis, the kids in the neighborhood, the kids that you know, because we want to introduce them to this Jesus that they don't normally get to hear about. And so um, on your way out today, if you know a kid, if you know some kids, if you have a relationship um, with somebody who has kids, um, then you can pick up one of these cards. They're at the Welcome Center, they're at the Connections Counter, um, and they're in the Next Gen Foyer. You can pick up one of these VBS cards, and you can invite all of the kids on your block. You can invite all of your co-workers' kids. Um, this is a free event, and they're welcome to come one, some, or all of the days. So it, it, if they, even if they can only come one day, we want them here for that one day. So you can pick this up and invite kids to come to our VBS this week. Now, there's another really important announcement that I have for parents. Parents, in three weeks, on August 2nd, that will be our promotion weekend. So that means that all the kids that graduated from whatever grade they were in in the spring, they've still been in that grade level here at the church because we haven't promoted yet. That happens in three weeks on August 2nd. So the reason it's so important that you know that this year is because a lot of our classes, a lot of our kids' programs are moving to different rooms. So on August 2nd, your child will probably not be in the same room that they were on the Sunday before that. So this week and next week, when you pick up your kids um, from elementary and up, you'll get a little card like that one that shows the new classrooms, the the room numbers, and what grades are going to what room numbers. So make sure that you pay attention to that so on August 2nd you know where to go and you're not lost wandering around the building. So um, I think that's all the announcements I have, so we get to get started now. And we're in this series. We started this series last week called Nobody's a Nobody. And last week I told you a story about how when I was in high school, or right after I graduated high school, I really felt this 
desire, this burning need um, to make a difference, to, to be significant, to, to have a life that mattered and that was full of, of purpose and, and meaning. And so um, right after high school that happened, but it, it didn't really happen for me the way I thought it was going to. Um, I didn't find that purpose right away. And, and we said that, that actually, you know, I felt kind of like a nobody. And we said that everybody has kind of felt that way, that, that, that they felt like they were supposed to be a somebody but maybe it wasn't working out for them. At some point in your life, you've probably felt that too, like you were supposed to be a somebody, but you felt kind of like a nobody. But we said that, that what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12 is true, and that in the body of Christ, in the, in the church, in God's kingdom, nobody is a nobody. Because if we look at that passage, every one of us who has surrendered to Jesus, who has said, I'm making Jesus my Lord and Savior, we've received a gift that is to be used for the body for the good of the church, for the good of, of God's purpose and God's kingdom and God's mission, helping more people more often say yes to God. And so all of us who've accepted Jesus get to be a somebody, and we said that last week. And we also looked at something that Paul wrote um, in Ephesians where he talks about how even before you came to know Jesus, even before you were saved, even before you came into the body, that God had in mind something that he wanted you to do. And we would maybe talk about that in terms of calling, right? Because it said that, that before you were saved, God had in, in mind things that he wanted you to do. There was something that he saved you for, a purpose or a calling. And you probably know some people who found their calling. I would say that, that I found my calling. I might have that conversation with you. That, that being here on staff at Pikes Peak Christian Church, getting to preach to you, running Next Gen uh, Ministry is, is my calling, right? But when you ask people how they found their calling, a lot of times they'll tell you this. Well, you know, I just knew. I just knew that was what I was supposed to do. Anybody ever had that conversation, right? You talk to somebody and they're like, hey, man, how did you get this job that you love to do? And I just knew this is what I was supposed to do. And that's not really fair because for most of us, just knowing really means that we spend a whole lot of time and energy and hard work trying to figure out what it is that we like to do, that God has gifted us to do. There's a lot of failure in there. There's a lot of trial and error and and a lot of self-exploration to go, how has God made me? How has God equipped me? And so just knowing isn't really what happens. And and if you remember my story from last week, what I said is when I found the secret to significance and purpose, it wasn't a place that I arrived to. It was a journey that God invited me to come on. Because what did I say? The moment when I discovered that there was purpose and meaning behind my life was the moment when Jesus said, follow me. And so what I want to convince you of today is that, that your calling is not a destination. It's not a I just found it moment or I, I just knew moment. Your calling is not actually a place that you end up, but it's a journey that you're on. And we're going to look at a guy in Scripture who took that journey of calling and see what God did as he was on that journey of calling. And I'm going to invite you to come on that same journey of calling with us today. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn uh, to Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 6. We're going to pick up, and we're going to look at a guy named Stephen. So there's a whole bunch of names in the passage that I'm going to read in a minute, but just pay attention to the guy named Stephen. Now, before we do that, some of you are looking at me and you're not real happy. Because on your bulletin, those little blanks that you like to fill in, see, they're over here. There, I found them. The blanks aren't there. I did that on purpose. That was not me being lazy, that was intentional. 
And the reason I did that is because last week I made a statement that I really wanted you to hear and I really wanted you to, be, to, to engage with and hear what God was saying to you. And when I said that statement, all of you went like this and wrote it in your notes, which is great. I'm glad that you're taking notes. I'm glad that you're remembering what happened here. But don't miss what God is trying to say to you because you had to get all the answers in your notes. That's, so I'm, we're just going to try something this week. We'll see how it goes. So all of the blanks that would normally be there will still be on the screen. So if you need those, you can just write them down as we go. They'll be up there. They'll be bolded, underlined, just like always. Okay, so don't, don't freak out too much. Um, but if you just want to hear what God is saying to you, then don't feel like you're obligated to that piece of paper. Okay, so you can write down whatever you want. Whatever God says to you today, you can write down on that piece of paper. That's why your paper is blank. So let's jump in uh, to Scripture. We're going to look at Acts chapter 6. We're going to start right here in verse 1. And here's what it says. In those days... When the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Now, I don't know about you guys, but the first time I read that, I didn't understand any of it. Because there are words in there, the Hellenistic, what, what, does that mean they're like evil? This is, is this bad people? Like, what, what's going on? What does this word mean? And Hebraic, that's not a word that we use uh, it, very often. I mean, it's not a common word in my um, conversations, at least. And so the first time I looked at this, I went, I don't, I don't understand this at all. So I really had to dig in and go, okay, what, what's happening here? And here's what happened. There's a guy, his name is Luke, and he wrote this letter called Acts to um, this person that he wanted to sell to him. Hey, this is all the things that the apostles did. Now, Luke followed the apostles for a while. Like, he traveled with Paul, and we'll see that he joins up with Paul later on in this book. So Luke goes to Jerusalem, interviews the disciples, and he says, hey, when the church was brand new, this is a thing that happened. And Luke writes it down for us, but here's what Luke is telling us actually happened. See, Hellenistic doesn't mean bad, right? It's not like hell's angels. That's, that's not, it's not equivalent to that. What it really means is Greek, So we've got Hebraic, which is Jews by birth, by ancestry, and we've got Hellenistic, which are Jews by decision. They were Greeks that decided to convert to Judaism. And when I figured that out, I go, well, hold on a second. I thought we were talking about the Christian church. Why are we talking about Jewish people? Like, I thought that was done and over with. I mean, what's going on here? Well, here's what's going on. What I realized is this church, which is the Christian church, which, by the way, Christian, that word wasn't even a thing, when this was written, when this happened, Christian, Christianity wasn't a thing. Like that wasn't the word that they used to describe it at that time. And so that wasn't a thing, but they were Christians. They had, had left kind of their Jewish religion and were following Jesus and, and they were called members of the way. And so when that happened though, the church was largely in this place called Judea, right? Which is the home country of people of Jewish descent. And so what happens is what we're really talking about is most of the people who had come to know Christ were Jewish, because it happened in their country, right? So if it happened in China, most of the people that had come to know Christ would be Chinese, because that's where it started. So that's really what we're saying here, is that we've got two groups of Jews who had converted to Christianity, the Hellenistic Jews and the Hebraic Jews. And the Hellenistic Jews are just the, the people who were Greek before they became Jewish, and then they became Christians. The Hebraics are the people who were Jewish by birth, by descent, and then became Christians. So we're talking about Christians. All right. Now, the other thing that I realized when I read this passage that made me really kind of happy, is that the church is brand new, right? I mean, we're, we're talking just a couple of years old, really early on. And so this is like, and the apostles are there. The 12 people that were with Jesus were the founders of this church. They're leading this church. And look what happens. Already, there's a problem. 
in church. Now, I know that that shocks all of you, right? That, 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 that there could ever possibly be disagreement in the church. That never happens, right, staff? That never happens here. There's never disagreement about what should happen in the church. That's completely wrong. If you didn't catch my sarcasm, uh, there, here's your sign, right? That's sarcasm right there. There's problems all the time. Because people have different desires and wants and needs and, and everybody has their own agenda and priority. And so all the time there's, there's conflict that we have to manage and work through. And it just made me happy to know that that's not new and unique to Pikes Peak Christian Church. That that happened when the disciples were leading the church. So, so don't think that conflict is necessarily a bad thing. But here's what happens. There's a conflict that arises. The, the Greek Christians are going, hey, our widows are not getting food. Now, what you've got to understand is that prior to this, in the synagogue, in the Jewish synagogue, um, it was responsible for handing out food, like running a food pantry for the widows, so that they didn't have young men um, to go and work the fields and bring food in, so they had a, uh, basically a food pantry that the widows would come and receive food from. So when the Christian church became a thing, they took that responsibility over. And the Greek Christians are saying, hey, our widows aren't getting their fair share. Or at least we think they're not. So there's a disagreement. So I love the way um, that the apostles handle this. And, and, and that's what we're going to look at next to see what the apostles do with this conflict. Here's what it says. So the 12 gathered all the disciples. Now when it says all the disciples here, it means all the members of the church, all the people who were following Jesus, all the disciples who followed Jesus at that time who said, hey, Jesus is my Lord. This is the whole church, not like the 12. So the 12 said to the rest of the church, they got together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. So what they're saying is, hey, God has called us to preach It's not right for us to not preach in order to make sure that the widows have their bread. That would not be a right thing. That would be like Darren saying, Pastor Darren, our senior pastor here, going, you know what? Um, I know that I'm supposed to preach a sermon, but I really feel like I need to go down and work in the food pantry and distribute food. That that wouldn't be right, and none of us would be happy with that because Darren's job in this church, Darren's calling is to preach to us every single week. And so that's what they're saying. It's not right for us to do this. Not that it's not important, not that it doesn't need to get done, but it shouldn't be us doing it. So here's what they do. Brothers and sisters, the 12's talking now to the disciples, they say, brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. And we will turn this responsibility over to them and give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. And he goes on. This proposal pleased the whole group, and they chose Stephen. That's our guy, right? Keep an eye on him. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, I really like that name. I, I think, like I was studying this, and I thought, you know, if we ever have a fifth child, I think that might be in the running. I haven't talked to my wife yet, so don't tell her. I'm going to surprise her next hour, okay? But, but I think that might be in the running. So, so Nicanor, right? Um, Timon, uh, Parmenius, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. So these are the seven guys that they picked, right? And so here's what happened. They presented these men to the apostles. The apostles prayed and laid their hands on them, and the word of God spread, The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So here's what happens. We find seven guys, and we say, hey, go do this job, which seems like a nothing job. It seems like a not important job. The disciples even seem like they're putting it off, right? It's just giving out food. But what happens? These seven guys go do the job. They get anointed to do the job, and what happens? The church grows. The number of disciples increased 
because they did the job that was needed to be done. Not, not, not some great thing, but they did this little job that seemed like a nothing, and the, the, wor- and, um, the word of God spread. Now, you need to understand the qualifications that the apostles give him here, um, because we like to go, um, we, you know, we, we like to find excuses, right? We like to find, oh, that's not me. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, I'm not good in that area, right? That, that's what we like to do. And, and I'm not trying to take away all of your excuses, except that I am actually trying to do that. And so here's what you need to know. Um, when the apostles say, that, or when Luke says here that they were full of the Spirit and of wisdom, what does that phrase mean? Because we immediately look at that and go, well, I don't think I'm full of the Spirit. I, I don't think I'm wise. But here's what it really means, okay? Each one of us, when we accept Christ, receive the Holy Spirit, The Holy Spirit comes and lives in us, lives through us. And so we all have the Holy Spirit in us. And so what what Luke is really saying here is that these guys, the qualification was not that they were some super uber spiritual guys. It's not that they were preaching out on the side and we recruited them. What it means is that these were guys that loved Jesus and everybody knew it. That's basically what he's saying. These are guys who said, hey, I'm going to follow Jesus and my life is going to be evidence that I'm following Jesus. So, So really, it's just guys who love Jesus. That's the qualification. Now, the second part, wisdom, that little Greek word there, can also be translated as skilled. So we break this down, we can understand that what the disciples are saying is, choose seven people who love Jesus and can do this job. Pretty basic. So there go all of your excuses. All right, good. So um, let me tell you how this plays out um, in, in church world today. There was a time when our church had a need. I know you find that hard to believe. It's not true at all. We always have needs. There's constantly things that we need to do in our church. There's constantly new needs coming up because we're always saying, how can we help more people more often say yes to God? How can we expand that mission? How can more people come to know Jesus? And so as we try and and do bigger and better and more things to help more people know God, there become more needs. Well, one of those needs came up when we were getting ready to build this building. We had a need. And I know all of you will find this hard to believe, but there are actually contractors out there who would like to take advantage of churches. Doesn't that shock you? Okay, maybe not. But, but there are. There are contractors, and, and they, love, they love to take advantage of churches because we're nice, right? We're nice people. We're full of grace, and we're soft, right? And, and so here's what happened. We needed to build this building, and we had some contractors who really were kind of trying to take advantage of the church. And we said, hey, you know what? We need somebody because it's not right for Darren to neglect the ministry of the word to build a building. Like, that's not right for him to do. So we need somebody to help us build this building. So we said, we need somebody who's full of the spirit and of wisdom, who loves Jesus and can do this job. And that's when we asked Brian Tungseth to come as a contractor and manage the building of this building. Now, some of you know Brian. He's our operations director. And so he came on and helped us manage um, getting this thing built. And he saved us like millions of dollars. I don't know if you ask. Maybe it's billions. I don't know. It's a ton of money. Um, Like I don't do numbers. So it's a ton of money. Brian saved us a ton of money and made sure that that this building was built correctly and to code and well done. And, And so, but something happened, right? Because before this, Brian had been in the construction management industry for about 26 years. And he had his own business and he was building different franchises and he was really good at it. Um, and he had a, a very successful business doing this. And he thought, hey, I'm, I'm going to have this great business building these franchises because I can do this thing. I, I, I love what I'm doing. And he really didn't necessarily want to come build a church. Like, that wasn't on his agenda. He wasn't saying, hey, I think God's calling me to go build churches, so you should hire me to do this. That, that wasn't his position. His position was, I don't really do that. I, I think I could do that. 
So if you need me to do that, I guess I'll step into that need. Just like Stephen. Stephen goes, well, you know, there's a need and you've asked me to do it, so I think I can do that job, so I'll step in and do that job. So Brian did the same thing. He stepped in and did the job. And here's what happened. God revealed to him, clarified for him his gifting and his passion. And Brian discovered in building this building that he had a passion for managing church. A passion for making sure that the church was doing things well and doing things right. And I can remember talking to Brian late at night and him telling me, hey, you know what? I think I'm going to develop a division of my business that just builds churches. Right? Like after, as, as he's building the church, as he's pulling his hair out, working 60, 70, 8 hours a week trying to make this thing happen, he's going, hey, I think I'm going to start a new thing doing this because God revealed to him a passion when he stepped into the need. So here's what we learn. Start not where you think you're called, not where you necessarily have a passion, not where you think we should have this program, start where there's a need and see what God reveals to you. That's what Stephen did. And guess what happened? Stephen started where there was a need. He's handing out bread. And what do we find in the next verse, in verse 8? Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Now hold on. Stephen's handing out, he's recruited to hand out bread, right? He's recruited to make sure that, that widows are getting fed. And all of a sudden, just two verses down, he's doing miracles. How do we get there? Well, well the text doesn't really tell us, but, but I have a hypothesis of how we got there. And, and I don't, so don't take this as gospel, okay? This isn't in the Bible. Like, I, I'm, I'm admitting to you that this is what I think probably happened. What I think probably happened is Stephen's there one day and he's handing out bread. And he's gotten to know um, Sally a little bit, and because and, Sally comes every week for her bread. And, and one day Sally comes, and, and Stephen says, oh, Sally, it's so good to see you. Here's, here's your loaf of bread. Is there anything else I can do for you? And, and Sally says, well, you know, you know Stephen, I, I'm doing okay, but my, my back has really been giving me trouble lately. And so Stephen has some options at this point. One of his options is to go, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Let me pray for you. Go on home, I'll pray for you after you leave, right? We do that, Christians, we do that. Like, I do that, okay? I, I'm, not, I'm not accusing you of doing anything that I don't do myself, okay? But we do that, right? We say, oh, I'll pray for you. And so Stephen could have done that. He also could have said, hey, you know what? We've got this great ministry at the church. You should totally come check this thing out. You should come to prayer night and ask somebody to pray for you. And, and he could have diverted the responsibility at that moment. Or he could have done this. He could have said, hey, you know what? I don't know if you know this or not, but, but I'm, you know, me and Peter... You know Peter, right? The apostle, the guy that was with Jesus. In fact, the guy that walked on water with Jesus, that Peter, you know that guy? Well, well I have a connection with Peter, just in case you didn't know. And uh, I think, you know, I've heard that he can do some miracles. And, and if you want me to, I could, I could maybe get you an appointment with him, right? But that's not what Stephen does. Now, again, I, this is me making this up. This is a hypothesis. But, but, but here's what I think probably happened. Instead of doing any of those things, Stephen goes, you know what? I bet God wants you to be healed. Lord, I pray that Sally's back would feel better right now in the name of Jesus, and Sally's healed. I think that's probably how it went down. Or Stephen was walking through Jerusalem, and he saw somebody that was crippled or blind or whatever, and he stops and prays for that person, and a miracle happens. And, and the reason that I think it went down like that is because at some point, Stephen had to go, this isn't my job, but I'm going to try it anyway and see what God does. This isn't what I'm hired to do. This isn't the thing that I volunteered for. It's not what I signed up for. But I'm going to try this thing, and we're going to see what God does. Because you don't just, like, miracles don't just start falling out of you, right? Like, you've got to actually do something. You've got to take that action and see what God does. So at some point, Stephen says, I'm going to take that action and see what God does. 
I think I confused the worship team. We're going to talk about Stephen a whole lot, man. It's my bad. I'm not that quick. I'm not that quick. I'll, I'll call you, man. I'll give you a call. It's all good, man. He's, he's ready, man. He's ready. He is ready for whatever is next, which is awesome. We're going to talk about that in a minute. So here's what happened, right? Stephen says, hey, you know what? I'm going to start where there's a need. I'm going to start where there's a need. But I am not going to limit myself to the job. So that's point number two. Point number one, start where there's a need. Point number two is this. Don't limit yourself to the job. See what God does. Try it. See how God anoints it. See how God blesses it. See how God gifts us. Now, um, there's a fun story that I like to tell about Pastor Jake. And I can do that because we're friends and he knows I love him. But a few months ago at High School Fuel, we, we do this thing every once in a while. We'll do Q&A night um, at High School Fuel. And, and the reason we do that is because we know that our students have some questions um, that they need answers to. You know, questions about God, about sexuality, about what God believes about this. What about the church and this? And so we, we create these environments where they can text in questions anonymously. And, and we'll do our best to answer that question in a panel format. And so we were having a Q&A night, and, and Jake um, goes after one of these questions. There's a question about forgiveness. And, and Jake felt like God had been revealing some stuff to him in that time. And so Jake takes the mic, and he goes, I'm going to answer this question. And, and he did a great job. Okay, don't, don't hear me say that he did a terrible job, because that's not what I'm saying. He did a great job. But as I'm watching, I could see that, that there just wasn't that connection in the kid's face. There wasn't that, that satisfaction of their question being answered. They just, it wasn't quite connecting. And so when Jake got done, I might have said something like this. Good job, let me help you out. Now, my team knows me. And I am blessed to have a team that will come to me later and go, Hey, you know that thing you did? That was kind of a jerk thing. Because I can be a jerk, and I don't always know that I'm being a jerk when I'm being a jerk. And so Jake goes, hey, that thing that you did, uh, taking the mic for me and talking for me, that was maybe kind of a jerk thing. I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm sorry. I, that's not, I didn't mean to. I just saw that like, the kids weren't. He goes, no, 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 let me finish. He goes, it was a jerk thing, but I'm glad you did it. I'm like, oh, yay. You're, you're glad I was a jerk. Oh, okay. But he goes, I'm, I'm glad that you did it, because here's what happened. In that moment... Jake goes, I saw the anointing on you. So this is Jake telling me, I saw the anointing on you as a preacher. And I realized that you are called to do something that I'm not called to do. And that doesn't mean that Jake can't preach, that he's not a good preacher, that he can't fill in when there's a need. But Jake in that moment had a moment of clarity to go, you know what? God is not taking me down a path to be a preacher. He's taking me down a path to be a worship leader who occasionally preaches, not a preacher who occasionally leads worship. And that was a moment of clarity for Jake that he needed to have. And so when we step out, even if it doesn't work, don't be afraid to step out of the job because what will happen? Either way, there will come clarity on that journey of calling. You'll either go, this was something that God blessed me and, and, and gifted me and he anointed this and, and he blessed the effort and something great happened because God wants me to go down this path or it won't be so great and you'll go, mm, I don't think that's where God's leading me anymore. I think I need to re-examine that. Clarity will come when we step outside of the job and, and, and don't limit ourselves to that. So see what God reveals on the journey. And then our next point is to stick with it even when it's hard. Because I, I just told you that I, I love preaching. Like it, quite honestly, so don't tell any of the other services this, but 9.30 at Sunday morning when I get to preach, 9.30 is probably my favorite hour. 
Like, just being here with you guys, I get to preach to you guys. You guys, you guys respond, you interact, you cheer, you laugh at my jokes. That makes me happy. Um, and so, so I love being up here talking to you. I love being up here revealing to you what I think God has, has said to me. I, I, I'm, I'm convinced that God has called me to do that. But it's not easy. Like, you might look at this and go, I bet he just got up this morning and knew exactly what he was going to say and stood on the stage and just, you know, talked to us. And sometimes it looks like that. I admit, sometimes it looks like I don't know what I'm going to say. I'm just up here talking. Um, but, but what you don't necessarily know is that there's about 30 hours worth of work that went into writing this sermon and practicing this sermon and preparing the slides to try and make sure that you hear what God wants you to hear this week. What, what you didn't see is that I snuck into the building last night at 9 o'clock and I stood in this room and practiced until 10 because I didn't want to sound dumb in front of all of you, right? You, you guys didn't see that. But, but, but here's what we, what we learn, right? There, there's two kinds of hard. There's the hard work that we put into it. And when we do the hard work, what we find is that, man, this is difficult. This is hard. This may be the hardest thing I've ever done, and I'm tired, and I don't really want to spend time doing this right now. I would much rather go home and watch TV with my wife. But the reward is so sweet because Jesus has called me to do this thing. And it makes sense, right? Nothing great comes easy. When when was the last time that an athlete, you know, who was recognized for doing something great got up and said, well, you know, It's just how I roll. That's not how it happens. We know that there are hours of practice and hours of hard work and dedication and all these things that go into greatness. And so it makes sense that if God is calling you to do something great, that you have to stick with it even when it's hard. But there's another kind of hard that we have to stick with it. Not only the hard work do we have to stick with, but when our circumstances get hard, we've got to stick with it. And that's what Stephen learned. That we have to stick with it even when our circumstances get hard. And here's what happened to Stephen. He's handing out bread and he's doing miracles. And pretty soon, some of the Jews start to hear that Stephen's doing miracles and they start to confront him. There's some opposition that comes against him for doing these things because he's doing them in the name of Jesus. And they're like, hey, we don't think that's a thing. We want you to stop doing what you're doing. And, and, And Stephen could have gone, man, it's getting hard. There's becoming some opposition here. I don't know if I can press on in this. I don't, I don't know if I can keep doing this because people are kind of attacking me. But Stephen begins to debate with them. And God gives him the wisdom to win these debates and arguments. And the people are convinced then that Jesus, is the, that Jesus is God, that Jesus is Messiah. And so Stephen sticks with it even when his circumstances got hard. And we're going to see in a minute that they got even harder. But I want to tell you a story first. So we've got to stick with it when it's hard, and we've got to be ready for whatever God calls us to do. Not, not only do we have to stick with it when it's hard, but we have to be ready for what's next. And um, I want to tell you a story about um, one of the people on our staff. Her name is Tara. She's my administrative assistant, and by the way, she's phenomenal. I could not do half of what I do without her um, help, so she's amazing. But um, I want to tell you a story about something that happened to her just um, a few months ago. I took the whole NextGen team off-site, um, to have a conversation about the burden that God had placed on their heart. Because, see, we, we don't come to church and go, hey, I have this burden, so I'm going to start this program. That, that's not how it works, right? We go, hey, where, there's, where is there a need? I'll start there. But sometimes God says, I'm giving you a burden because I want you to go somewhere else, or I want you to do something else, or I want you to start something. So sometimes that burden that God has given you is because he wants to take action in the world. And so I just wanted to give my team the chance to tell me, what's the burden that God has placed on your heart? And so I had them pray about this for, for a week or two weeks before this. 
And we came to the meeting, and Tara tells me in the meeting, I feel like God has given me a burden, especially for teenage girls, who because of what's happened to them or because of the choices they've made, feel like they are not good anymore. Like they can never be good again. That, that's the burden that God has placed on my heart. And she goes, I don't really know what to do with that right now. I said, okay, good. That's good to know. I'm, I'm glad I'm aware of that. So we can, we can look at what doors God opens in the future. Well, funny thing happened. That day, not a week later, not a month later, that day, as we were driving back to Pikes Peak Christian Church, Terry gets a phone call from a friend in California who says, hey, I've got some girls here who've had kind of a rough past. You want to come tell them your story? <laughs> and then Tara found me and said, I'm mad at you. And I said, why? What did I do? <laughs> and she goes, you made me go talk to these girls. I, I didn't make you do anything. I just said, what does God want you to do? And she said, I have to do this now, right? You have to be ready for what God calls you to because here's what happened. Tara didn't want to speak in front of people. And if you ask her to speak in front of people today, she'll probably tell you no, Okay, and in fact, I'm, I'm just going to tell you right now, don't ask her, okay, because I don't want to get that conversation again. So, so here's the thing, though. She did not want to go do this thing. She told me, I don't want to do this, but I feel like I have to do this, that God has said, I have this burden, and there's a door, and I have to go through it. So here's what happened. While she was there, while she's speaking to these girls, God gave her this story, this illustration about how precious gems are sometimes hidden inside of rocks and how people will kick the rocks and step on them and walk on them and trample them, not knowing, not having any clue the value that's inside, but it doesn't change the value of the stone that's inside that rock. And so she tells these girls this thing, but knowing that, that they don't feel that they're valuable, knowing that they feel like the rock and not like the jewel, and here's what happened. Just a couple weeks later, one of the girls that was there went to this mining place with her family where she was kind of fake mining for gold and she found the rock and as she took this rock through the process of cleaning it off and of getting through the rock, in the center of this rock, she found gold. And she emailed Tara and said, I get it. I understand what you were trying to say. I get that, that even though people didn't see this, even though people passed it by for years, even though people didn't know that this was here, I understand now that I have value, even though it's hidden, even though others can't see it. And see, you, you don't know what God wants to do with the door that he's opening for you. Even if it's hard, even if you don't want to go through it, even if it's something that you're not ready for, you feel like you're not ready to do this, you, 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 you have to go through the door. You have to be ready for whatever God calls you to next. Because you don't know what God wants to do with it. And this happened to Stephen. Stephen was ready for what was next. See, an opportunity came up for Stephen to preach. And it wasn't because Stephen wanted to preach. It wasn't because he was begging the disciples to preach. It wasn't because he was asking for this privilege. Here's what happened. Stephen, facing all this opposition, finally the Jews get tired of it and they arrest him. They create false stories about him. They say that he was blaspheming. And they, they take him and they arrest him and they take him to the Jewish council. And Stephen's there before the Jewish council and they're accusing him. Now Stephen has a choice once again to go, you know what, I, I'm just, I'm just going to back down. I'm going to be quiet. I'm not going to say anything. Jesus, you didn't say anything when you were before the council, so I'm going to do that and see what happens. But Stephen says, hey, there's an opportunity here for me to preach the word of God. I believe that God has given me this opportunity and this is going to be hard and it's probably going to have some pretty severe consequences. But God has opened this door, and I'm ready for whatever God has for me. And Stephen goes, and he preaches this sermon. And you can read the whole sermon in Acts chapter 7. Um, it, it's written out there. It's a great sermon that Stephen gives. And 
in this sermon, he basically tells the Jewish leaders that they're just like their ancestors who didn't listen to the prophets, that they're just like his ancestors who, didn't, um, who turned away from God, who abandoned God. And he's saying this to them like as they're sitting there. And he preaches this incredibly convicting sermon uh, to the congregation, to, to this audience, right? And he, he preaches this sermon that's so convicting that they drag him outside and they stone him. Now, if you don't know what that, that term means, like stoning a person, that's a way that they used to, to execute people in the old day. And what it means is this. They would pick up big stones, and they would throw them at the person's head until they stopped breathing. And that's what they did to Stephen. But he was ready for what was next. And what you don't know yet, what, what the rest of Acts will reveal to us, is that that moment was a pivotal moment for the church, right? It sounds like a bad thing. It, it sounds like a terrible thing because Stephen says, I'm ready for what's next. He walks through the door and what happens? He gets killed, right? He becomes the first Christian martyr. And then not only is he killed, but persecution on that day, it says, persecution broke out against the church in Judea. So now we've got not only one dead Christian, but a whole bunch of dead Christians because persecution has just broken out. But here's what happened next. That persecution caused the believers to leave the city, to leave that region. And as they went, they took the gospel with them. That moment when Stephen preached that sermon was a pivotal moment. That moment when he said, God, I'm willing to die for you. I'm willing to give it all for you. I'm going through whatever door you have next for me. I'm willing to do it. When he did that, it was a pivotal moment because that moment is when Christianity left Judea and started to spread to the world. And we might not know about Jesus in America today if Stephen hadn't preached that sermon. You don't know what God's going to do. You don't know what he wants to do with you. So, so here's what you have to do. If you want to be on this journey of calling, if, if you want God to do something significant in your life, if you want to know that your life matters in the context of the kingdom, there's, there's some things that we have to do. The, the things that we talked about today, you've got to start where there's a need. Wherever there's a need. N not where you think there should be a need. Not where you think we need this thing, but where the need currently exists. But then don't limit yourself to that need. Step out and see what God does. Stick with it even when it's hard. And be ready for whatever God has for you. Now, now in just a second, Matt and the worship team are going to come back out here. I think they're probably ready. It's, it really is my fault. All right, it's not Matt's fault. It's my fault. Um, but they're going to come out here, and we're going to stand together, and we're going to sing. In fact, guys, go ahead and stand right now. Because here's what I know. I know that some of you came in here today feeling still like you're a nobody. Like your life doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter what you do today. And some of you came in here feeling a little bit like those girls in Tara's story. Your life has no value, that nobody can see it. But I, I know this thing. Jesus died because your life has value. Jesus traded his own life to bring you into the kingdom. He traded his own life to put you on the journey of calling. Guys, Jesus is not calling you to become a Christian so you can obey all the rules. Trust me, we break the rules all the time. That's not what it's about. Jesus is not calling you to become a Christian so that you can think that you're better than everybody else. I know that Christians sometimes do that, but that's not what God is calling us to. There's one thing that God is calling us to do. 
to repent and come into his kingdom because he has a greater life for you than you could possibly imagine. And it starts with surrendering to Jesus. See, some of you are already on this journey on different places. Maybe you stopped sticking with it when it was hard. It got too hard and you, you stopped pursuing the journey. Or, or maybe you've never started. You've never found the need that you need to fill. You've never tried something different. I don't know where you're at, but some of you this morning have never started on the journey at all. And I'm talking to you right now. You will never find greater joy, greater satisfaction, greater peace than in a relationship with Jesus. Guys, he gave everything so that he could know you, so that, so that you could live the life that he had intended for you. He wants you to have the best possible life. And it's not about following the rules and it's not about finding a destination. It's not about arriving. It's about the journey with Jesus. And I can promise you today that there is no sweeter place to be than on the journey with Jesus. So as we sing this song together, I'm going to pray for you and then we're going to sing. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to go ahead and come forward. And if you need to start that journey today, if you need to surrender your life and get on the journey, the journey of calling, the pursuit of Jesus, a life with the God who loves you. And as we sing together, would you please come and pray? We would like nothing more than to introduce you to the God who loves you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that you don't call us to follow rules and you don't call us to be better people, Father, but you call us to pursue a relationship with God. And on the journey of that relationship, as we pursue you, you reveal to us purpose and joy and passion and peace beyond what we can imagine. And so, Lord, I pray right now, as we sang earlier, Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would fill this place, that you would come and speak to these people right now in a way that I can't, that you would draw them to yourself and that you would remind them, that you would let them know that you have a great and better life for them, something more than they could possibly imagine, and that you would call them to that life right now. I ask that in the name, the powerful and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. Be sure to join us again next time.